Welcome to the 58 West King Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. That is Matt. We hope you guys are doing well, and we hope you enjoyed your summer break. It's been a couple months since we hit the record button, but the 2023 NFL Draft is behind us. The June 1st deadline for a lot of these big cap expenditures is behind us. Some camps have even opened up. And we're looking now for this one at the over-under win totals. We've got a mailbag segment on this one as well, but first, how you doing, Matt? I'm good. Long time. No time. It's been a. It's been. It's been an off season, man. You know. Yeah, you. You, I'm you had good. a baby. I had a mustache. Um, the mustache is gone. The baby's still there. Baby's still here. Um, I did a better job taking care of my baby than you did your mustache. So that's good. I mean, the stakes were much yeah. higher. Let's be honest. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's a department of mustache services that would be upset by your lack of mustache. I do know that there's a department of child services. That's super stoked that Laurel is still around. Yeah, it looks like she's doing very well, too. Uh, I got a I got a chance to see her with the headset and the mic earlier uh, when we first hit the record button. So that was exciting. It's been too long, man. It's good to get back on with you and talk some football. Let's go ahead and get into our mailbag segment. This week's mailbag question comes from Twitter user at Big Josh McD. That's Josh McDaniels for those mm. who are new to the segment. Big Josh McD writes, thank you, guys. For again, showing so much love to super fans like me. It's not every day that my voice gets heard by the masses. Anytime, Josh. My question revolves around NFL policy involving ownership. Do you know if an owner is allowed to play quarterback for the organization that they own a stake in? Thank you. I'm going to go on a limb here, Matt, and say that he's not asking about Mark Davis getting under center. Well, I did not play quarterback. I thought Mark Davis make a good offensive lineman. That being said, because they need help at offensive line True. too. Run them both out there. Run Brady out at quarterback. Run Mark Davis in that haircut built for a helmet um, on the offensive line. Um, I do know the answer to this question. I know the legitimate answer. The legitimate answer is he can if all the other owners vote to allow it, which I could think of at least three teams that would definitely say no, right? <laughs> uh, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. And I can think of maybe a few others, Bob Kraft. I can think of a few others that would probably have a problem with it. So doubtful that this is happening. Not impossible, though. Improbable, for sure. Uh, but for some context, if you guys are still you know, coming out of hibernation for this upcoming NFL season, Jimmy G failed his physical about a month, month and a half ago due to that foot injury uh, he sustained last season. And Las Vegas could get out of his contract based on a handful of provisions in the deal they signed this offseason. It would be a tremendous blow to the Raiders if that happened, but also a tremendous step towards tanking for Caleb. Or is it collapsing for Caleb? Cratering for Caleb? Uh, I also have down here, Matt, crumbling for Caleb and Caleb catastrophe. Do you think any of those ones could catch on for this season? I like, um, it's a Caleb catastrophe of a season. That sounds yeah. good. Really like that. Um, I don't think Josh McD wants to do that, though. He's in his second year as head coach. Head coaches are given just even shorter and shorter lengths of rope with which to hang themselves. Yeah. And a wasted season may be best in the interest for the team moving forward, not really in the interest of the coaching staff or some of the veteran players that are on the squad. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Maybe we get an in-season hard knocks with the Raiders. That might be fun. Yeah. Are they doing Do you know if they're doing one of the in-season ones? Because we had the Cardinals last season. We had the Cardinals last season, and that was... You know, I really like J.J. Watt. I think we can all agree oh, yeah. on that. I, they almost didn't have a preseason. No team wanted to do it. And then the Jets are like, I guess we'll do it. And then now it's a whole thing. Well, fair enough. Probably not going to happen with Tom Brady 
he should be done done. All right, let's move on now to our over-under win total predictions. This is going to be a two-part series, and today we've got all of the NFC teams. As a note, I grabbed these lines that we're going to mention uh, sometime after the draft, so they may not be exactly what you're looking at currently at your sports book of choice, but it is our baseline, and we'll start in the NFC North with the Lions. They are at nine and a half. What do you got, Matt? Nine and a half. I got the over for the Detroit Lions. Okay. Trading in the right direction last year. I think they won eight or nine games last year. So we're talking about uh, no Aaron Rodgers on the Packers. The other team's not doing a whole lot. Yeah, and they did they did quite a bit to bolster their secondary as well as completely revamp their run game. I, yeah, give me, uh, give me the over and Ben Johnson as uh, head coach next year for another team. Possibly <laughs> the commander's new team name, which should be the Washington, I don't know, something else. Fair enough. I think it's all about how the Lions start. They're at the Chiefs to open, and then they get Seattle at home. Possible 0-2 start. They do follow that, though, with winnable games against the Falcons, Packers, Panthers, Bucks, and then the Raiders uh, after a trip to Baltimore. So definitely favorable after week two. You mentioned last season kind of how it went for them. They started last season one and six before winning eight of their final 10 games. If they get out to like a five and three or four and four start, I think that they can clear nine and a half. So I'm going to be optimistic here with you and say that they can get to 10. All right. Next up, the Bears, seven and a half. What do you got? Under the most money spent in free agency. And the question still remains, is Justin Fields the guy? They're going to... They're going to find out. And if, you know, they have draft capital to roll into the Caleb catastrophe, <laughs> if that ends up being a thing, they spent a lot of money in the offseason, but at, at positions like linebacker, their offensive line has is still wanting receivers. Obviously, they upgraded with DJ oh, yeah. Morris. So that receiver room looks looks much better. So we'll see if Justin Fields really can air it out. He's very bold saying he wants to be the first Bears quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards. Not even That's kind of crazy. There's never been a Bears quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards. But I'm still taking the under. I, I, I think they're still the worst team in that division. Um, not by a large margin. I think the gap's closing. But I, I think that they're going to end up around seven wins. And at seven and a half, I'll take that that under. I don't think they're getting to eight. Uh, I'm going to agree with you that the gap is closing. Uh, without Aaron Rodgers, I think the Packers and just the ceiling of the division is kind of lowered. And then with the improvements that Chicago's made, I think that floor is a little bit higher for the North here. But Justin Fields was electric last season. From week seven on, he was top three in terms of fantasy points per game at the quarterback position. Pushed a ton of fantasy teams over the top. I had him on a couple rosters. It was a very nice time. Very, very special stretch of games. What was that good for in terms of wins and losses for Chicago? Do you, do you know the Chicago football bears? Uh, they won zero of those games, I believe. Yeah, they went one in 10 uh, during that that final stretch. Um, you mentioned they did add DJ Moore. I do like that move. They get an actual number one receiver, but they also have the Chiefs on their schedule. Denver's on the schedule. Washington should be a pretty tough matchup for the Bears, the Chargers, the Saints, Browns. And I don't think it's a stretch that the Vikings and Lions take both of their matchups against the Bears. So... I'm also going to go with the under six or seven is probably the number I would take. Sorry to the listeners. You're going to hear a lot of baby uh, wife and other older daughters are not <laughs> in the house. So me and the baby are hanging out. And if I don't give her attention, she yells at me. That's, yeah. that's fine. Our cuteness factor is just going through the roof right now. I love it. All right. Next up Packers. They're at seven and a half. Over. Okay. I believe in. LaFleur. I believe in that offensive line. I believe in Christian Watson. I believe in Aaron Jones. I believe in the defense, which is 
top 10 in the league. Um, I think they are going to be a very different team, um, much more game plan dependent. You know, with Aaron Rodgers, there was a little bit more Aaron Rodgers, do your thing. I think we're going to see more of LaFleur. I always say, I always get, because of the whole, it's Matt it's LaFleur, Matt, right? Yeah. The head coach. Yeah, okay. Mike's the Mike coordinator with the Rams now. Yep. Matt LaFleur is uh he comes from that, you know, that McVeigh Shanahan tree, and he can game plan, he can scheme, he can do a lot of cool stuff with offense that I think he's gonna be able to unlock a little bit more with Jordan Love. Um, not to say Aaron Rodgers isn't capable of doing those things. Aaron Rodgers is just more of a he kind of likes his guys to run the routes. He likes some runs, why he wanted all those guys in. Yeah. But I think they can win eight games. I do. I don't think they're going to win the division necessarily, but I think they can, you know, make a push for the seventh playoff spot. All right. This will be the first one we're uh, differing on. Too much talent. I, I think there are still a lot of talented players there. They're middle of the pack, though, in terms of strength of schedule. The division obviously gets the AFC West, mentioned that. But an even bigger concern for me is the unknown uh, with Jordan Love. We haven't seen very much of him. And of course, the very young receiving core headlined by Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. We've seen just a small sample size of Jordan Love. We've got less than 30 offensive snaps from him in 2022. So with that question mark and largely a team behind him that struggled last season with Aaron Rodgers on the roster, I'm taking the under. They only won eight games last year with the reigning MVP future Hall of Famer at quarterback. So I'm going to go with under seven and a half. I get it. Next up here, the Minnesota Vikings, eight and a half. Under. Okay. Under. Um, they, They were plus eight last year. In one score, one score game victories, they lost two and won ten, or lost one and won nine. But they were plus eight um, differential. That is insane. Even if that regresses half of what it should, uh, they're looking at a lot more losses. They're still still going to struggle with the number two wide receiver, Jordan Addison's going to be suspended for some games. It looks like possibly was going 140 in a Lambo. Maybe he won't miss time this season. But uh, the rookie's going to have a hard learning curve. Not. It's not his fault. There's not a whole lot to do up in Minnesota. I get it. Um, they do have Justin Jefferson. They let Dalvin Cook walk. And as an Alexander Madison owner in Dynasty, that makes me happy. Yeah, I know. You agree, huh, Laura? <laughs> yeah, she's with me on this point. But I don't think that Madison has the juice that Cook does. I think that run games and stuff a little bit. Offensive line is still kind of a eh. Defense is still kind of eh. I think they're going to regress and, and probably win maybe seven Eight games. Okay, yeah, you mentioned the one-score games they won last season. The year prior, they lost nine one-score games. So wild swings from this team. And my only real concern is on defense. Um, they allowed 25 points a game in 2022 and gave up the second most yards last season. They've had some turnover on that side with Kendricks getting released. Uh, Cam Dantzler's gone. They reportedly shopping Daniil Hunter. But they did sign Marcus Davenport and Byron Murphy. So we'll see what that unit does this season. But for the line, I'm taking the over. So I see you flipped uh, these guys in the Packers. So I'm on opposing ends there. Uh, the offense still going to be great. You mentioned Addison was added to Jefferson. Thielen's now in Carolina. That could be really good. It might take some time to get it off the ground. And I have Green Bay and Chicago uh, on the under here. So trying to keep my math straight. But I've got Minnesota winning more than eight and a half games. Yeah, we both got two overs, two unders for a division. Seems about right. Mathematics. Discipline so far. All right, let's move on to the South now. We'll start with Carolina. They are at seven and a half. What do you got? Under. Under. Uh, good, good offensive line, good defense, a, a lot of money to throw at the coaching staff. You like all that. I'm a little uh, hesitant about the new quarterback starting up. I, th- I don't think he's going to be bad. 
That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I think Bryce Young, I don't know enough about college football or height to tell you. I Look, you've been a shorter guy your whole life, and you've done amazing <laughs> things. So there's no reason why Bryce Young can't do the same. Um, I do think there's going to be a little bit of learning curve, though, with those tall offensive lines, tall defensive lines. First few games might be rough. And then weapon-wise on the offense, Miles Sanders – Okay, and not a whole lot else. They didn't get DeAndre. They didn't really go do a whole lot else. Um, they kind of stood pat. Let, they had to get rid of DJ Moore to get that pick, and now they're kind of in a tough spot. So I'm going to take the under, although I do think they're heading in the right direction. I just don't think it's going to accumulate this year as a as a uh, overseason. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, this is also an easy under for me. Uh, First-year quarterback in Bryce Young. First year uh, for Frank Reich on the team. They shipped out DJ Moore. We've mentioned that a couple times. It's probably going to be a little rough to start, as you mentioned, especially considering they get a road game against Atlanta to open. The Saints, Seahawks, Vikings, Lions, and Dolphins all to start. I think they'll win some games in 2023, but ultimately I think they're going to come up a little bit short of 7.5, and, and that is 100% of Bryce Young joke. Next, the Falcons, 7.5. What do you got? Also, just for the listeners, and I'm sure there'll be a video of this at some point. Um, Tony is Tony's ability to be unfazed by me making faces and moving around to try to keep my baby entertained is quite impressive. It's why he's professional. You would not know that he has been on a three month break from this podcast. Nope. Um, he's really in mid season form. So, uh, Atlanta Falcons. What was the Seven number? Seven and a half. Ooh, you want to take the over? I want to take the over. I'm not going really? to because Desmond Ritter is the quarterback, um, and I don't know that he's the guy. Sure, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, um, Bijan Robinson, Cordero. They got a lot of beef. They're going to run a lot of pistol. They're going to run a lot of big bodies. Doing their offense is going to be interesting. Defense, they've they're still kind of light at pass rusher. Uh, Secondary is in decent shape. AJ Terrell's, I think, going to be a top five cornerback this year. He got a little bit of help on the other side. All of that being said, and I like Arthur Smith, but Desmond Ritter was a third round pick last year. And, uh, I mean, he looked marginally better than Mariota in the little time that he had. I don't know that he's going to be the guy. This is still a quarterback-driven league, and I don't know if he's the guy to get him over seven and a half wins. Could see six, six, seven-win season. Um, I just don't know that they get there. Although the division's kind of a cakewalk, kind of, and there's there's a lot of wins to be had down there, but I still take in the under. Before I make my pick, I just want to be clear. I loathe. I loathe Arthur Smith. He has the second or third biggest advantage at tight end in the league with Kyle Pitts and a massive talent, young talent in wide receiver Drake London. But he refused to use them last year, stating that we're trying to win games, right? He said that a couple times in the first half of the season. Well, they weren't winning games, Matt. And for fantasy purposes, those guys were mostly busts until Pitts went down and London got a little more attention. But for this year, they did add Bijan Robinson, uh, a workhorse who Smith will lean on, I believe. And I think because they have that talent at running back, because they have London and Drake, or London and Pitts, sorry, as second and third options, and because the schedule is favorable, and because Arthur Smith hates your fantasy team, I think they're getting past eight wins. I think this year, what Arthur Smith does with that team will lead to wins, unfortunately, for all of the Kyle Pitts shares I have. All right, moving on now to the Bucks, six and a half. What do you got? Under. Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Yep. It's tough, though, because they, they're kind of a weird roster. Coaching staff, you would say, is plus. Mm-hmm. Um, defense is plus plus. Some of the veterans on the offensive line, plus plus. Like they got a lot of wide receivers. They got a lot of good players yeah. at a lot of important positions to win football games. They just have like two of the worst players at the most important position. Uh, minus, minus, minus in Baker. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I just don't see it. I think I honestly think they could be last place in the division. I think they're the odds on favorite to be last place in the division. Um, so I'm going to kind of lean with Vegas there. I'm going to take that. Okay. Have you seen the camp video of Baker and I think the two other quarterbacks on the roster throwing in practice? Yeah. I Yeah. They like six feet over Mike <laughs> Evans and, you know, throwing six feet over Mike Evans is tough because Mike Evans is already a Werner ladder up a there. Large man. Um, but they're, they're clearing him by six feet. And uh, Mike Evans, big Harry Potter fan. Shout out Mike Evans trying to use uh, uh, Leviosa Ketchum. Can't get him. Can't get him down. Can't get him down. It's bad. And all of those guys are missing wildly so far. Uh, It's unfortunate and kind of caps the ceilings for guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. You've seen their ADP kind of slip so far uh, this summer. But the team will reload after this season. They're going to get a better quarterback there for 2024 in the future. For 2023, though, I've got the under. I think you need competent quarterback play to win in the NFL. And you've already mentioned it. The Bucs don't have that this season. So give me the under here. Uh, Moving on now to the Saints, the final team in the South here. Their line is at nine and a half. What you got? Has to be over, right? You've got three under so far. No, I do have three under so far. I think it's going to be over. I think I'm going to take 10 wins out of the Saints. I like Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr adds... A nice piece to this offense. I think Chris Olave in year two, he's gonna he's gonna solidify himself as one of um, the elite second option receivers in the league. Uh, the tight ends kind of they just they have a lot of pieces. Mike Thomas is back. Maybe <laughs> so far. We'll see. He's there so far. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and defensively, they always do kind of a good job of, of piecing things together. I'm gonna bullishly take him and bet on Carr. Although ten wins is rich. 10 wins is rich for the Saints. Talked about this one with Nate uh, from the Taco Corp show um, that we did on over-unders or division winners, I think. But this division is the Saints to lose, right? And I think your our lines so far kind of reflect that. What Vegas has out there uh, or the lines makers have out there kind of reflects that. But I like Derek Carr. I think he's an upgrade, maybe not a drastic upgrade, but an upgrade over what they had in 2022 between, you know, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and Taysom Hill under center. I'm not overly excited about the team, but I do like their opening schedule. So for their first nine games, they get Tennessee, Carolina, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, New England, Houston, Jacksonville, and Indy and Chicago. They could realistically get seven wins in that stretch. They should be favored to win at least six or seven. And then weeks 12 through 18 also offer some winnable games for them. Um, last year, they were ninth in points allowed, sixth in yards allowed, and fifth in sacks. So they can play defense. Uh, if they can continue to play that level of defense and get some better quarterback play out of Derek Carr, I think they're winning the South and clearing 10. Probably a bold take um, as they are plus 120 to hit that over. But I've got the Bucks and Panthers under. So my math here does check out. I'm staying disciplined, Matt. Love the discipline. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the East now. We'll start with Dallas. Nine and a half. What you got? Over. And my sneaky pick to win the division. Really? Okay. I, I think Brandon Cooks is a bigger deal than people let on. I think most of your most of the criticism towards Dak Prescott, while warranted and beloved as an Eagles fan, um, you're looking at the wide receivers last year running routes. Michael Gallup was a shell of himself, obviously coming off injury. That's yeah. tough. CeeDee Lamb was really, really good, but at a point you need somebody more than really, really good. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz was their tight end last yeah. year. Uh, who's now with the Texans, ironically enough. Um, he just kind of ran five-yard outs and, and didn't get yeah. much 
else after that. I think adding a possible thousand yard receiver into that offense really greases the way that offense is going to work. My biggest concern is Mike McCarthy's calling the plays and historically that has not bode well for offenses. He's not that guy. I can't believe they let uh, Kellen walk, Kellen Moore walk, but they did. And here we are. So, uh, but I do think that they get the wins. That defense is also really good. Still under Dan Quinn. Micah Parsons is the most electric defensive player in the league. Uh, Yeah. I take the over and I'm, just because the Eagles' schedule is a little bit more tough road-wise, I think they could win the division. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Dak and the receivers last season. I think it was Matt Harmon. He does the reception perception stuff over at Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he mentioned on one of his more recent shows, but I think last season the Cowboys had the 31st or 32nd lowest separation created by the receivers running their routes. So I agree with you that getting Brandon Cooks there is a huge plus for them. Uh, I think the Cowboys hit 10 to go over here as well. They open against both New York teams, the Cardinals, and then the Patriots. So assuming the Jets take a few games to mesh and kind of get going, Dallas is probably getting out to a 4 0 start, um, and they're going to make it very easy if that happens. But even 3 and 1 uh, seems reasonable to get to 10. They did lose Kellen Moore. You mentioned that, but McCarthy, I think he's more than capable, not ideal, but more than capable of calling plays with Brian Schottenheimer and the team has no shortage of weapons for Dak this season. They they added Cooks um, and they're going to have a fully healthy Michael Gallup. A couple young guys there too. On defense, you mentioned Dan Quinn. I really like him as a defensive coordinator, maybe not so much as a head coach, but they're going to be returning plenty of defensive starters and then they also added Stephon Gilmore for some depth uh, in their secondary. So yeah, give me the over on Dallas. Moving on now to the Commanders, the recently sold Washington Commanders, now owned by I think a group led by Josh Norris. The line here is six and a half, Matt. What you got? The roster is pretty solid. Their defensive line is very solid. I think Chase Young comes out this year and shows something um, with the team not picking up the fifth-year option. He's playing for that second huge second contract, trying to live up some of that um, that draft hype that he had going into being the you know top of the board there. They paid Jacoby Brissett as the highest paid backup in the league, um, but all indications are it's not even a camp competition. It is... It is Sam Howell's job to lose, and they like Sam Howell. And I, sure, that's cool. I think Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback of this team at some point, and I think they get the over because I think Jacoby Brissett gives them a baseline of quarterback play to go along with Terry McLaurin, some of their other offensive pieces, and that defense to where they can string together enough wins. That being said, their schedule is extremely difficult. The NFC East faces the AFC West and some of you know AFC North teams, so uh, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think they can get seven wins. Okay, so. So the odds of them going over are currently at not, uh, minus 120. So lines makers might be leaning your direction there. I'm not buying it, though. They're starting the season with either Jacoby Brissett or Sam Howell, likely Sam Howell. Uh, neither one is all that appealing for me. They get Arizona to start, but after that, it is rough. Uh, sharp football analysis has them 24th in terms of strength of schedule. So they have that going against them as well. Add in new ownership and midway through the season after a slow start, Potentially, we could see an Eric Bieniemy uh, running things as an interim head coach. I'm pessimistic on this team. I do like some of the guys they have, but I am taking the under for Washington. Moving on now to your Eagles, Matt. Ten and a half. It's high. What you got? Over. Okay. Over. Yeah. Give me over. Um, I, I, I'll say they play like Dallas. Seattle and like Kansas city all on the road in the span of like four mm-hmm. weeks. Um, they, but if you look at their first eight games, I think their only real concerning game is against the jets. They have a lot of easier games to open up their schedule. Then they have a bye week in like week nine or 10. And then they have a, a hellscape of like, 49ers, Chiefs, Cowboys, Seattle, Bills, a lot of losable games in that stretch, but I think they're going to be able to pull a couple of those out. Um, They're just too talented. The roster's too stacked. Um, 
I I think they're going to go over. I think they're going to have another good year um, and possibly make a deep playoff run. You know, granted, everyone stays healthy. It's not a – yeah, they retain the guys they need to retain. You know, put this way, Miles Sanders is making $11.2 million in Carolina. The Eagles spent exactly $11.1 million on Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. I think they will where they did lose players, they will be absolutely fine. This is kind of the nature of the running back position. But for the Eagles here in weeks 11, 12, and 13, the Eagles get Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco. That is not easy. Outside of that, though, I think they're favored to win every single game. Will they? Probably not. Will they go 14 and 3? Probably not, but I think 11 wins, uh, definitely attainable. I'm with you. The roster is still really good. They still have depth at most positions, and then we all love Jalen Hurts. I think he has QB1 upside this year. I've got the over. Moving on now to the final team in the East here with the Giants. They are at 8.5. Under. I got the under here. I will do two overs, two unders. I will take – no, I took three overs. You've got three, but in the South, you did have three under, so it does balance out that way. It does balance out that way. Uh, Saquon Barkley, that that whole situation is going to be a mess. Distraction. Um, Wide receiver, they added Darren Waller as a pass catcher. We'll see what he's able to add. The rest of that pass catching room is very basic. Uh, I think they had a good year last year. I do think Daniel Jones limits what they can do, and they have a harder schedule this year, so give me the under. What a 2022 season. Giants made the playoffs. They paid Daniel Jones. Brian Dable got the most out of his guys. This season, though, the door's open for some regression. Um, I think we all agree Jones played phenomenal. He got 40 mil a year, but his grade over at PFF uh, was 70 as a passer behind Mitch Trubisky and just ahead of Kenny Pickett. I don't like that. Kind of mentioned that he limits what they can do. I agree with you there. And then their opening schedule is rough uh, for New York. They have Dallas, San Francisco in week three, Seattle at Miami, at Buffalo, the Jets in week eight. I have them at eight wins if they split with Washington, Dallas, and Philly. Kind of a big if with a couple of those teams. And they're currently plus 120 to go over eight and a half. So I think I'm definitely not alone uh, in this thinking, or we're not alone in this thinking. So give me the under as well. Yeah, you see him play good teams last year, and like they played the Eagles. They lost the Eagles three times, including the playoff loss. And it was Eagles could bench starters in the fourth quarter in almost in all three yeah. games that they played. Like it's just it's tough. And add in now, uh, Saquon Barkley is potentially going to hold out, and they signed James Robinson as kind of like a backup plan. So there's that as well. Go ahead and move on here to the West, and we'll close it out. Uh, we'll start with the 49ers, eleven and a half under. Under, okay, eleven and a half. I get it. They're a great team. Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, uh, Tommy John, Brock Purdy. I don't think it was a Tommy John, but I'm going to call it a Tommy John. I know. I just, I'm very, I used to not hate the 49ers, and now, I don't know. I don't. I still don't hate the Niners. I think they're a very good team. I think Shanahan, outside of big games, is the best coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably the most brilliant offensive mind in the NFL. Sorry, McVay. I think the way he can utilize his players, they have a lot of offensive weapons, but I'm not sold on the quarterback room, and it's the most important position in football. Do I see them winning their division? Probably. I think Seattle might have something to say about it, but I see them winning the division. But we're talking 11 wins. They play some tough games too. They have a, they have a decently hard schedule ahead of them. Um, I'm taking the under, and I'm going to probably look like a fool. Yeah, Shanahan, he's definitely the regular season king. Um, 
fallen short in a couple big games, but Sharp is actually giving them the fifth easiest schedule, and there isn't even a guarantee who's starting day one, so that's with that built in. I don't think it matters. Last year, they were top five in points allowed, interceptions, yards allowed, rushing defense, and then red zone touchdowns allowed. I think the defense is still going to be elite. You know, Steve Wilkes replaces D'Amico Ryan. What was that? What was that, Laurel? D'Amico Ryan's is gone? <laughs> yeah, that's what Parker, that's what Laurel's saying. Yeah, well, Laurel, maybe you haven't heard of Steve Wilkes because you're a baby, uh, but he's competent enough to pick up where Ryan's left off. Uh, I've also heard whispers of Brock Purdy learning to throw left-handed uh, as a backup plan. The Niners, they just think of everything. But yeah, I've got the over. Uh, this division's trash, and I think the 49ers with CMC, really, they're really, really good, and it showed last year once they, they picked him up. Uh, moving on now to the team that could potentially take the division from the Niners, the Seahawks. They're at eight and a half. What you got? Over. I will take the over for the eight and a half Seahawks. I think they win nine or ten games. I think defensively they added another corner, another big corner to go along with Tyreek Woolen, who, you know, Sauce Gardner doesn't exist. He's probably defensive rookie of the year last year, but Sauce Gardner does exist. Um, offensively, Geno Smith. Good, got paid a team-friendly amount of money, but he should still be decent this year. They got Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett, who lost his virginity. Very important. Uh, we weren't. I don't know why we weren't tracking this. Um, you thought Tyler Lockett was good. Or maybe it's bad for That's him. A, is virginity. that a Russell Wilson? What? What is? What is that? Do you know this? You don't know the story? Tyler Lockett apparently, on top of being a very good wide receiver, uh, has a real estate license and real estate business, and also was saving himself from wow. marriage and got married. In this offseason, uh, Russell Wilson was at the wedding and Geno Smith. They sat at the same table, um, I think. I don't know if they sat at the same table, but they were at the wedding. Um, and he was famously saving himself for marriage. And he got married, so he's no longer saving himself. Yeah. He, uh, a lot of discipline. Well, I say, we mentioned discipline. A lot earlier. of discipline. I, I think we're all playing second fiddle to that. That's impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, Tim Tebow was like, really? Wow. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, maybe that's bad for him. Maybe it's good. Maybe, maybe post- Sex locket is another level of good. We don't know. But I think the team as a whole is balanced, fairly balanced on what they want to try to do offensively and defensively. I would think they win nine games. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're minus 140 to hit the over here. Uh, it helps with four games against the Rams and Cardinals, likely going to win all those, right? Um, so you need five wins against all other opponents, and they get Detroit, Carolina, Washington, Tennessee, the Giants, and then the AFC North, North which I think they're good enough to split. I hate Pete Carroll. I can't stress that enough, but I do like this team. Uh, give me the over as well. Moving on now to the Rams, 7.5. Under. Sorry. Sorry, Rams fan. I think offensively, they're going to be sneaky good. I think if Cooper Cup stays healthy, um, I still trust McVay. There's some Stafford drama. I don't know what that's all about right now. I don't know if you've seen this. I saw it briefly as a news article. I don't know the specifics of it, so I won't get into it. Um, but he's good. Higby Cup are still good. They still have some some decent options for backs. Cam Akers wants to get paid. I don't know if anybody told him that's not happening. <laughs> and they still have McVay, and I think McVay is a top-tier play caller. Uh, defensively, they've got a lot of undrafted free agents fighting for a lot of position. And outside of Aaron Donald, that defense is kind of in disarray. So I, I, I just don't think defensively they're going to be able to stop much of anything. Um, and I think they're going to end up losing most of their games this season. I think that's kind of what their goal is, to be honest with you. Yeah, if the salary cap dumping of guys like Allen Robinson trading Jalen Ramsey away, releasing key pieces like Leonard Floyd on defense, if all that wasn't enough, the Rams signed 26 undrafted free agents coming out of the draft. They had to fill a lot of roster spots. It's going to be a really, really young team with deficiencies all over the place. 
That bad defense, though, may lead to big offensive games for the likes of Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, and Cam Makers. I think you kind of alluded to that, but I don't think those will be accompanied by wins, just really good fantasy outputs um, on offense. I'm taking the under. I'm high on the offense, but I don't think this team wins eight games. They also get Seattle, San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Philly in four of their first five games. It's not going to be good to start. It's going to be ugly. Got that to look forward to. Uh, last team here for us on this episode, the Cardinals, five and a half. What you got? Under. Yeah. yeah. Is Kyler Murray going to play this year? I don't think so. A lot of their defensive players are not happy. Um, you know, obviously they've got Gannon as their new head coach, came over from the Eagles. I can tell you he was the weakest part of the Eagles coaching staff. Uh, not to say he didn't have success last year. He did most of that. I would attribute to a really good pass rush and play by the players. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't think they do much this year. I don't think Murray plays. I think they're completely cool. Murray not playing the whole season, getting starting over with new GM, new coach, getting Caleb and trading Murray away for some type of compensation to a team. Um, and we'll see how that plays out. But I, winning is not in this team's cards this year. I agree. Hands down, the worst run team in the league. They're in a cap situation. They're one of the oldest teams in the league. They have a massive quarterback contract with needs all over the place on offensive defense. So easy under for me. I, I think they win two or three games at best. All right, Matt, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, a joke for you. Yes, let's hear it. All right, I was at the bar the other night. Uh, three guys were sitting next to me, and and I hear him talking. I overhear him talking. I kind of listen in. I join the conversation. First guy's like, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, my arm's not only small, I think it's the smallest arm in the world. And the second guy's like, I know what you're talking about, man. I have a short leg, and I would be surprised if there was anybody whose leg was shorter than mine. And they're like, well, let's just let's just call the Guinness Book of World Records, see if they'll send somebody down. And sure enough, they did. 10, 15 minutes later, a Guinness Book of World Records guy shows up. First guy goes outside, comes back in, says, I did it, boys. I told you. I'm in the book. Smallest arm in the world. Second guy goes outside, comes back in, fist pumping. I just joined you. Shortest leg. I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records. Woo! I know I limp around a lot, but this is a, this is a fantastic day. The third guy is looking at his buddies. He's like, guys, I got a pretty small I mean, it is. It's small. Should I Should I try? They're like, dude, he's already here. You might as well. Just go out back, measure, get in the book. Goes outside, comes back in looking sad, defeated. And they're like, what? what's wrong, man? He's like, who the hell is Nathan Molinick? <laughs> it's really good. That's good. It leads you down a path, and then it's just at the last second. They just come in. They get you in the first half. That's good. Awesome. We'll be getting through the AFC over-unders on the next one. That was great. Great getting back at this, Matt. Looking forward to the season. Mm -hmm. Fun talking football yep. again. I've had a thirst, and I think we quenched it a little bit today. But a little bit. For Matt, for producers Josh and David, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you soon. For Baby Laurel. For Baby Laurel. <laughs>